Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, begins a new series on the book of Jonah called Running from God. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship set, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and more on our Brookwood Church app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Today we begin a new series on a short book. Thank you, Mark. The book of Jonah. I urge you to read it and reread it and reread it. It's only four chapters in, in many versions of the Bible. It's on two pages, two opposing pages, so you can read it 15 minutes. But in this series, today, today's message will focus on rebellion as we look at just the first couple of verses. The theme that I've chosen for today is out of chapter 1 verse 3 and uh, if you're using the resources either on your phone or you've downloaded them before you came or if you're watching at home and you've downloaded or printed it, the outline. The abbreviated theme is Jonah went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Have you ever done that? You know, I think all of us are familiar with the story of Jonah. It's interesting, even sometimes in toy stores, you'll see a, a toy of Jonah and the fish or, or a book, even not necessarily a Christian version, but, but the, the story is so well known, is so familiar that a lot of people are aware of it. Almost everyone has heard of it. But let me start with this. What kind of an animal was Jonah swallowed by? Who said that? Let me see your hand. Not a whale. <laughs> I don't know who I'm talking to. Now that's the part of learning your theology in the toy store. That doesn't help. All of us are familiar with this story, but not many of us are familiar with the biblical story of Jonah. You see what I'm saying? And many of us, perhaps most of us in our culture, think he was swallowed by a, not a whale. Biblical references in both the Old and the New Testament explicitly refer to a great fish. And there is a Greek word for whale and a Hebrew word for whale, both. And neither of them are used. In both places, it says a great fish, not a whale. Jonah 1.17, Matthew 12.40. Now, some people, even some church-going people, consider the book of Jonah as an allegory or a parable. And a parable, and this is true throughout the scripture, a parable is a story that's told to teach a principle, primarily one principle, but it's not told as literally true. And this is even, this is even uh, accurate for Jesus' use of parables in the New Testament, in the Gospels. However, we interpret the Bible according to what it purports to be, how the Bible presents itself is how we must um, look at it. And 2 Kings 14.25 identifies Jonah as a real person, as a Jewish 
prophet from Gath-Hefer in Zebulon. Zebulon would be a region named after um, one of the 12 tribes. And it's a region in the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, there was a northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kingdom is up around the Sea of Galilee. And Jonah was a prophet who served God during the reign of King Jeroboam II. And Jeroboam ruled 793 to 753 BC. Now it's also important to note that Jesus considered Jonah a historic person. In fact, Jesus compared Jonah being swallowed by the great fish and being vomited out. He compared that event with what event? Speak up. With his own death, burial, and resurrection. Again, Jesus wasn't speaking of a parable there. He was predicting his own burial and resurrection. Matthew 12, 41, Luke eleven thirty two. 32. Now, Israel prospered under the reign of Jeroboam II. The nation regained lost territories that had been captured. Israel expanded its influence. But, whereas the nation was prospering, it was in decline spiritually. There was a time, it was a time of moral decay. It was a time of spiritual decline as the nation moved away from God into idolatry. Sound familiar? Now, Jonah, in fact, had even supported the um, expansion of Israel's power. He had supported Jeroboam and the influence. But something happened to Jonah that revealed Jonah's heart. It revealed his rebellion towards God. And events happen in our lives that reveal our attitude toward God as well, don't they? Some of us right now may be in one of those periods where our attitude toward God is being revealed. Rebellion toward God includes several things that I've taken out of just the first couple of verses is all all I'm going to deal with today. And this is a short series of messages, only five messages. But rebellion toward God first includes receiving God's message. Jonah chapter one, verses one and two. The Lord gave his message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Some translations say, and the word of God came to Jonah. Get up and go out to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, Jonah, as you, as you know, was a prophet of God. And who were these men? Well, they were, they were specifically called 
They were set apart uniquely for the purpose of hearing and communicating God's word to his people to advance God's kingdom. You see, a prophet received God's message, God's word directly. And this message, this word would reveal God's will and would often make assignments to the prophet as he did here for Jonah. It was a great honor to be in relationship with God so that he spoke directly to you. And he trusted you enough to speak through you to the people. Including, in fact, especially to rulers and kings. Hebrews 1.1. But there were some grave responsibilities in this calling. There were some difficulties associated with representing God to the people. See, often the message of a prophet exposed the sins of God's people. And in many instances, announced his judgment. Now imagine how the audience felt hearing that. They were certainly displeased, alarmed, frightened, and often angered. That's true of the people, it's true of their kings. And prophets had to be especially careful that they heard God clearly. And they should convey his message accurately. Because if the prophet made a statement that he declared was a word from God and it didn't come true, what would happen to the prophet? Say it again. Bradley, Bradley's right. Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. This particular word to Jonah was shocking. Because up to this time, Hebrew prophets had been sent only to God's people, never to Gentiles like these Ninevites. Would you have liked to be a prophet of God? Let me see your hands. Who would like to have been a prophet from God? A few, a few, not too many. Randy, you too scared? What would it Hearing from him, speaking for him to the culture, to the community, to wherever he sent you. Well, there is a sense in which we all stand in the place of prophets. Now, not all of us are hearing a word that tells of God's intention in the future. I think some still do hear that. But again, if they're really called by God and they're speaking for God, their words will come true. 
But if in fact you're born again, if you have received, if you possess the Holy Spirit within, then you do hear the voice of God. John 10, 27. And you're expected to obey it first, all that applies to you, but also to communicate it. Has God given you a message to communicate? And if so, are you speaking it? Rebellion against God also includes rejecting God's direction. Verse three. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Did Jonah misunderstand the message? No. See, that wasn't the problem. It wasn't that he misunderstood anything. The problem was that he understood it perfectly. But he rejected this direction from God. And instead, he tried to escape the assignment. And actually, he wanted to and attempted to get away from God. Like that. Why did Jonah refuse God's direction? He'd been serving God for years. Why did he rebel? Why did he attempt to run away? Well, a couple of suggestions. Jonah's designation, destination, Nineveh, was not only the home of despised Gentiles, it was the capital, Syria, uh, capital city of Assyria, a cruel and a violent enemy nation. Now the city of Nineveh, ruins remain today, lay on the east bank of the Tigris River in a very fertile plain. It's the site of today, present day Mosul in Iraq. 220 miles north of Babylon, about 500 miles, miles northeast of Israel. Nineveh was an idolatrous city. Uh, primarily, the, the primary god or goddess that was worshipped was Ishtar or Ashtarte, the fertility and the war goddess. But Assyria harassed taxed, threatened the Jewish northern of kingdom throughout Jonah's life. In fact, in 722, Assyria attacked Israel and destroyed its capital, Samaria. And so why didn't Jonah want to preach to them? Why, John? It was dangerous. That's, that's probably part of it. They were enemies. He wanted them wiped out. He despised them, maybe hated them. And so he didn't like the assignment and he tried to run away from God. But if you look closely, God had actually said, 
to announce judgment. That's what verse two said that I read to you. Announce judgment against these wicked people. Shouldn't that have pleased Jonah? So why refuse? He knew he'd be killed. Maybe, maybe. Good thinking. My idea, my suggestion, you think about it. In fact, it's not just my suggestion because it's confirmed later in this, in this book. I read the whole book. It appears Jonah knew God. Jonah knew God's compassionate nature. Jonah suspected that God would show mercy to the people he hated. Jonah 4, 1 and 2 says that. So Jonah wanted no part of this plan. Jonah did not want to provide these people an opportunity to be forgiven. It could be, as several of you mentioned, he was scared for his own life. Maybe that, maybe that. But it might have also been he was worried what his friends would say. Boy, don't we live in a day like this. If you voice something other than the person you're with thinks you're just attacked. It's a, it's a, it's a disturbing time in our culture. So Jonah might have thought, well, I, don't want, I don't want my friends, I don't want my family people, I don't want people that I care about, people that are, that, that the few that support me. I'm concerned about what they will say if I go and communicate God's word to Gentiles. Because remember, the Jews thought they owned God. And so God's mercy was for nobody but Jews. So his own friends, you see, might have attacked him for that. Because they thought they owned God. How many of us have people we dislike? People, <laughs> thank you for that honesty. <laughs> people we consider adversaries. I mean, look at this. Our nation has been just, just fed this fuel of of division and turn people against each other because of political positions, but even racial uh, identities. How you view certain law enforcement people. Division, no discussion, attack. And so how many of us have people who we don't like? They hold different opinions. They that we don't want God to forgive. 
We don't want him to bless. And we would really be upset if this person was saved, forgiven, and blessed beyond me. Does that ring true to anybody? And Jonah had his own desires. He had his own plans. He had his own ambitions to fulfill. He had his own opinions of how things should go. He had some ideas about how he should serve God and how God should act. How many of us right now know what God's word says about some attitude of ours, some action of ours, but we reject it because it doesn't agree with what we want. Or on the other hand, do we disobey God's direction because we want to be popular with friends? See, it wasn't that Jonah didn't know God. The problem, what do you think it was, Flora? His problem was that he did what? He did know God. His problem was that he did know God. And he should have known it was impossible to escape God's presence and still he ran. Some of you are running. Jonah knew the words that came from David in Psalms 139. I can never escape your spirit. I I can never get away from your presence. He knew these words. They were written a couple of hundred years before. He knew the psalmist's words. He knew they were true. He, He knew that he couldn't escape God's complete awareness of him. So he fled his awareness of God. He rejected God's word. He refused to go to Nineveh. Do you think he kept praying and worshiping? What do y'all think? No, of course he didn't. And he probably said something like this, haven't I done enough for you? Don't I have the right to quit serving when I want to? How can you make me do something that I don't want to do? It's so distasteful to me. Who are you? What gives you the right? How many of us here and, and those on, in the, the congregation online, how many of us today are living with only memories of sacrifice or obedience to God? How many of us think, I've done enough for God. I've given, I've served, I've, in the past, I've done I've done my part. You would be heartbroken to know how many times 
in now, what, over 30 years of ministry that I've heard people say that. And I've heard some of the older ones who actually were retired and had more time say, I think the young ones should handle this. Let me say this. Those of you who were retired and sitting, you should be given more time to ministry, to kids, to students. Invest your life. But how many of us are saying, I've done my part. I've done my part. And are we substituting past spiritual experiences? Maybe the the time you were born again was just so transformational. And so you're still looking back for what happened to you 20 years ago. And, And you've substituted an experience in the past, a true experience. I'm not just questioning that. But you're substituting that for present day submission. See, being born again wasn't an event that, was, that ended something. That was an event that started something. It started a relationship with you and God that by now should have grown deeper and richer and more submitted. So God's message exposed Jonah's selfishness and his stubbornness. And guess what? God's message exposes ours as well. It reveals the limit of our willingness to obey. It exposes the point at which we will reject God's commands. Which means rejecting him. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. And it cuts between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow. But here's what I want you to see. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything's naked and exposed before his eyes. And he's the one to whom we're accountable. See, when God's word speaks, God knows what we need. And God's not constantly giving us his word that we already know, we already obey. No, the word that's coming to to you from God, it cuts. Do you know what I'm talking about here? And it exposes that place that's not surrendered. The part that is obedient, he doesn't, he's not concerned about that. He's concerned about this stubborn part over here. This hatred toward people you've labeled enemies. This attitude that you won't release because you think it's right. That's where the word of God's going. Every time. Every time. Because he, God is going to expose rebellion which sometimes appears as mistrust, other times just outright defiance in your life, in my life. Jesus said it this way, Luke 6, 46. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? 
Rebellion against God also includes reassurance from circumstances. Now, this one can be a little confusing. The latter part of verse three. He went down to the port at Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. The port of Joppa is still there, but today it's called Jaffa. It's on the southwest coast of Israel. In fact, Tel Aviv was established on the outskirts of Jaffa in 1909. You saw the map. We continue in verse three. He went down to the port of Jaffa. He, he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. We don't know for sure where Tarshish is today. It was Western Mediterranean. But, but Tarshish represented the outermost Western rim of the world to Israelites. Because Israel is on the east end of the Mediterranean and Tarshish was all the way on the other end, connected to what's today, Spain today or Portugal, somewhere in that area. But think about Jonah. God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, I'm not going to Nineveh. And Jonah headed in the opposite direction. Now, how do you think he felt when he reached the port? What did he feel? And at the port, he was a ship bound for the edge of the world. How do you think he felt? Say it louder. Anxious, is that what you said? I don't think anxious. I don't think shame. Opportunity, somebody said relief. He felt good. I'm trying to run from God and here's a ship bound for the end of the world. Because here's the thing, when you're running from God, you're not filled with conviction over your sin. You've quit thinking about that or you would have behaved differently. This circumstance, I'm running away. I've reached the port and there's a ship to take me away from God. This circumstance confirmed his flight was was right. His flight was right. Jonah bought a ticket. That means I've got the funds to get on this ship. It's, his plan's working, isn't it? I've got enough money to pay for this to get away from God. And, and so here's another validation that fleeing God was the right thing to do. Now, he had a wrong attitude toward these circumstances. 
See, he thought these circumstances were working for him when in fact they were working against him. I want y'all to please understand it's possible to be completely out of the will of God and still have circumstances appear to support your direction. Here's, here's how I've heard through the years. I'm leaving this spouse that I don't love anymore because I have found my soulmate. And, and here's, the, here's the, the real kicker. And he's a Christian. And she loves the Lord and goes to church. Do you think I've ever heard that? Many times, and so have other pastors. Many times. Oh no, I'm getting away from this one I'm tired of. No, no allegation of adultery, no allegation of abuse, none of those things. But I found someone that lights my fire and I know God gave this person to me. And I can't get divorced soon, so we're moving in together because we know we both love God. Does, does anybody ever heard a scenario like this? Every step is in disobedience to God and it's declared to be endorsing, supporting the disobedient decision. You ever heard that? You ever said that? See, you can be in full outright rebellion against God and have a false sense of security that smooth sailing is ahead. When in fact, what lies ahead is a shipwreck or a big old fish. See, here's the thing. A lie might further your plan. A dishonest business practice might be very profitable. But each step you take separates you from God and might lead to outright running away. But that, and straight into the arms of disaster. Jonah concluded that because he didn't agree with God's command, he could reject it. He doubted the goodness, the wisdom, the justice of God. He disputed God's right to do with his life, Jonah's life, what God wanted. And his right to do what he wanted to do in this world. See, it's interesting to me when I hear people speak about immoral practices and then claim the name of God. Immoral lifestyles, successful celebrities and claim the name of God. But the celebrity, the success, the popularity, all those things are circumstances that seem to say, I am going the right way. 
And every one of those things are a sinking ship. When we encounter in God's word something we don't want to obey, something we don't like, something we don't disagree that we disagree with, we must decide whether God knows best or we do. Some of you are looking at a situation right now. Some of you may be in full-blown rebellion. It doesn't look like it. You still outwardly look the same. But you know that you've got a heart that's already fled. Will you obey God's word when it's not what you want to do? Care volunteers will be here at the front. I may have said something that triggered you. It may be the spirit of God brought conviction in you and they'll be here to pray with you, anoint you with oil, talk with you, talk with you even into the future. They'll be here, they'll be in the care connection room if you have a private situation that you don't want anyone around to be able to hear anything you say. For the online congregation, you can click the request prayer button and you can tell us how we can pray for you. Remember your memory work. Please read through Jonah. It's relevant for today. When I planned this series, I had Acts. We're gonna go back to Acts, but I just kept feeling like God was saying, divide it. Let's look at Jonah. And I think it's, very timely for us to consider. Father, how we thank you for this word. Lord, help us to honestly be confronted by your word and not run from it and not run from you, but be willing to see our rebellion and repent and flee to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or you can call us at 864-688-8326 to get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our app. We thank you so much for listening. Have a blessed week.